You're listening to the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. It's me. I'm Rob Gross. Welcome to the Grossed Out Podcast. I am your host, Rob Gross. I am extremely excited today to uh, to, to have Jason Leckberg on the podcast, one of the best dudes, honestly, that I've ever met in my entire life. Just a really solid human, amazing, amazing, amazing marketing guy, and um, yeah, all around great dude. So I, I'm super excited to have him on here to talk about typo negative because we have a guy from Brooklyn on the podcast. Let's fucking talk about typo negative. So a little background on Jason. He is a music industry executive with both major and independent label experience, as well as 20 plus years of performance and creation. He specializes in product management as well as digital marketing and excels at first to market digital creativity. Jason currently runs Leckberg Enterprises, a label as a service agency specializing in helping established artists take control of their careers, as well as managing select artists and offering consultations for emerging music technology. Jason Leckberg, welcome to the Gross Out Podcast. And I'm honored. I'm excited and honored. I cannot wait. Yeah, man. It's it's cool because we were um I, I always like to t- I, I will leave out names, parties, brands, etc., whatever when I'm telling <laughs> this. Um, because you know, you just never know. But I um I want to basically the story that how you and I met is so interesting because um yeah. You know, I I, ne- I never take days off, and I was working at an independent label. I took a singular one day off. I come back, and my boss has let me know that they've hired somebody to work on this big rock and roll project. And I live and breathe rock and roll. And I'm like, I've been waiting for this. We sign all these pop acts and psych acts, and I'm into all that shit too. But I was like, okay this seems highly illogical and really not fair. <laughs> and I'm sure you were sold an, a weird false bill of goods or I, whatever. So I come back and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? I've never heard of him. We have like 400 mutual friends on Facebook, never a good sign. And we hit it off immediately and have become yeah. super good friends. <laughs> and um, I, I think much to everybody else's dismay at, at, at the time where it was like, well, we'll just work this together. And they're like, no, we want you to do this. And we're like, no, we're going to work this as a team. Yeah, we, yeah, totally. That was so funny too. Cause I, you know, the way that, that, that situation was pitched to me was, Oh, we don't have anybody in the U S we're not, you know, we, do, we need somebody in the U.S. because this is a priority act. And then after I'm in, they go, oh, well, there's this guy in L.A. And I, and I, I felt like somebody tossed me a live grenade. You know, yeah. I was like, oh, no, because I didn't, you know, I didn't know you, but I you know, I want to be respectful to, to my peers, you know. And I'm like, sure. man, I, I'm just thinking, what does this guy think, you know? No. The same thing. I went and looked at Facebook and I'm like, how? How do I, we are not already hang out? How is this not happening? Right, because there's in in my life I've had I think it's something like three or four of these occurrences where it's like I should really know this person. How have we never met? There's got to be something wrong with them or something wrong with me. And you know, fair enough. <laughs> and all four times it on it, it actually is panned out pretty well obviously this set the bar so everything else has been quite the disappointment (laughs) but it's um you know wow it's it's you know i'm happy that uh what some five years later we're sitting here doing this and um you know i just had chris enriquez in the last podcast talking about quicksand and it was you know my last work trip before the world ended was coming to new york hanging out with you guys bothering you guys for three or four days and it's uh I, i miss that tremendously yeah, that was fun. That was mm. those good trips. It's always a 
always a pleasure when you come out and I love coming to LA and seeing you as well. I mean, you know, it's uh, always too infrequent, but I guess this is about as close as we'll get for now. <laughs> it is, man. And, and quick sidebar before we get into it for another um, yeah. Brooklyn by way of Florida, by way of Germany band, is that because of this fucking pandemic, um, you know, I was supposed to see Propane for the very first time, a band that I've loved since I was about 12 or 13 years old. I think there might be a hundred people that like even know who the band are in the States anymore. And I mean, I, I'm sure changing it, but you, you get the point. And um, obviously, you know, your band, uh, you know, I, I Kill Ya, you play shows with, with Propane and, and didn't, um, and, and Nefarian played a sh- was supposed to play a show, right? Is that how that, that went yeah. down? And, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that happened. Uh, it was supposed to happen April thirteenth, and then th- the icing on the cake is because they don't fill rooms, right? They're playing the whiskey, and when everything else was canceled, South by Coachella, every show under the sun, the propane tour was still booked, and I'm like, this is great. Like, I'll at least get to see them because at that point we didn't know what it what this really was yet. Oh yeah. And I'm like, everyone's overreacting. I'll get to see this band with like 50 other people. Jason will be here. It'll be a great time. And then eventually that folded as well. So, um, yeah. what a bummer. Yeah, that that was disappointing. Yeah, I, we were actually Nefarian was actually supposed to open for them. At, like, I think it was March 20th, and then like eight or nine days later, I was flying to L.A to come hang out, do some business, spend some time with you and see them with you mm-hmm. in LA. Uh, and yeah, I, uh, I still have not been reimbursed for that hotel or that airline ticket. Oh man. <laughs> I, I felt bad. I, I'm sitting on two tickets. It's like $36. So I, I, uh, yeah. yeah, I, I, that, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all right. <laughs> it's uh, all right. Well, I mean, there's nothing we could do about it. it was no, over. no, uh, it's crazy, but, you know, man. Uh, well, hopefully yeah. we'll get back to some semblance of something, whether, you know, hopefully by the time people are listening to it, we have a different regime and everything is not fine, yeah. but on, on the road to fine. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, we can get back to it because, man, I miss travel and I miss I miss my friends and, you know, yeah. But yeah, let's uh, let's dig into it. So I, I am yeah. I'm pumped, man, because I came to typo negative in a very different way, probably not different than a lot of people you know my age your age um i think we're around the same age like a year or two apart Mm -hmm. maybe um yeah it was through other bands it was like you know the gateway band like pantera metallica i found out about typo and um you know that's not the way that a true new yorker finds typo negative you find them through carnivore (laughs) and um which i found later and was like well this is pretty cool but like this is not fucking october rust but that you know different story yeah how did you discover the band? What got you into them? How did this all come to be? It's yeah, you know, it's such a funny story because you know, when you said what are we going to talk about? I mean, of course, I was like typo negative, you know, because it, right. it is my favorite band. But I, you know, I just when I discovered the band when I was first introduced to them, I hated them like with <laughs> a, with a passion. I I was uh, I was growing up in Indiana. And in Indiana, you know, like anybody who was in any way weird all hung out together. Sure. So, you know, in my high school, you know, there were like two or three metalheads, a couple of rock people, like the hippies and like the two people that thought they were vampires. And <laughs> every the, school, one of the, every school has the vampires. Every, <laughs> everybody's got them, right? Yeah, Everyone. Yeah, yeah. So one of the guys that thought he was a vampire also kind of moonlighted as a metal guy. And so he and I had, had played in a band together and knew each other. And, but he was really into the vampire thing at this point. And he was like, oh, you got to listen to this band, Typo Negative. And the first thing he played me was Suspended in Dusk. 
which mm. is the bonus track on the re-release Bloody of Kiss. Bloody Kisses. What a weird and start. I know, and it's like nine minutes long, and Peter's like singing like he has a French accent, and there's all that silly stuff that's happening. And I, I was just listening to this, and I'm like, dude, this is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> and right after that, maybe like two or three weeks after that, the Pantera tour came through town where Typo was opening. Yep. And I was just, I mean, Pantera was life at that point. Same, me. same. So, yeah. So I went to that show and I remember my friends still give me shit about this. In between songs of Typo's set, I remember yelling at one point, I've got something you can suck and it's not my blood. <laughs> and which elicited some fun laughs from the, from the crowd. Sure. Uh, but, you know, a couple weeks later, that same friend had left bloody kisses in my car and you know the cd actually you know when we used to drive around with you know books full of cds we did uh yeah and uh and i was just one day i was tired of everything i was listening to and so i put it in and machine screw started and i was like okay and then you know went right into christian woman and i was like oh and it i just was hooked i mean i just listened all the way through the record and i was like wow this is insane what the hell is going on and that just uh it it just immediately turned me and then i had to go do my homework and very quickly they just they became my favorite band that's amazing. I mean, it's 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 so funny when I talk to people that, um, you know, because I grew up in South Florida, probably not that dissimilar from the way you grew up in Indiana. And it's um, I went to that show in West Palm Beach. I, that that was my that's how I found Typo Negative was at that wow. show. So I went. That's it, amazing. It was the it was the Far Beyond Driven tour, and I went with my buddy. And I, who was also a Pantera fan, but not, not as much of a fan as I was. Cause like you said, it was fucking life and far beyond driven. That's to this day is my favorite Pantera record. So I was mm. so excited. Like, and then I was like, well, you know, at that point and to this day, still, I still want to see opening band. I mean, at this point I'd see fucking anything, but I, yeah. we, we went early and I, you know, I did as much research through like rip or circus as I could at the time. <laughs> and I remember them playing like, two or three songs that was the set because they were thing was like super slow i think they played their version of black sabbath that night and i thought it was fucking terrible and i remember it wasn't until maybe the following weekend or two where the video for black number one was playing on headbangers ball that i was like oh why wouldn't they have played this this is like that is just so much because they they were still touring on stuff off slow deep and hard they weren't yeah. I, they hadn't yet either it was out but I think they were still just trying look the band forever tried to turn people off and I think yeah that's the charm if you're a fan but if you're not and playing an arena in South Florida in 1994 it might have behooved them to play the hits yeah well but I mean that was their whole thing. You know, totally. The, their whole thing was was be negative. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. typo negative. You mm -hmm. know, but that's it. it I don't know. It, it's just so fascinating because I remember too at that time when I started doing my my research. So my my father was a pastor, and I had I didn't couldn't get a subscription to Metal Edge or to uh, you know Pit or Hit Parade or Kerrang or anything. I had to, the only one they would give me was Heaven's Metal, which was you know the uh, the Christian metal magazine, Ooh. and I they. Yeah, every episode, every issue, they would interview a secular artist and kind of like talk to them, act like they were going to talk about their new record and then put the screws to them about religion. Wait, hold uh, on. And, wait, wait, wait. I want to. This is awesome. I didn't know about this. Yeah. So was, it, was, it was, was every issue just like living sacrifice? 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. Living sacrifice, POD, yeah, uh, tourniquet, blood good, Jacob's uh, ladder. Y- yep, Jacob's ladder. Uh, what was the Petra? The band that oh ripped my off Kiss. Yes. Uh, oh my god! And there's one more mortification. Mortification, mortification. was the morbid angel, which is because yeah. cr- living sacrifice, by the way, is fucking awesome. It's great. <laughs> oh, they were great. So yeah. good. Wow. I still I still jam some of that shit. I I like that. Yeah. Once in a but, while. Yeah. Yeah. But right after I kind of like started paying attention to typo then and being like, okay, this is a band. I was like, I remember there being an, an article and I went back and I don't know how much longer in the past it had been, but they had interviewed Peter for one of the, the issues and I had just skipped it. I didn't know who the band was, so I didn't care. So I hadn't even read it. And I went back and read it. Uh, someday I have to go find this again because he just completely dismantles the interviewer. Of course. The inter- you know, the interviewer is just like, oh, well, you sing about sex and about religion, and all this kind of stuff. And he just like dismantled him. And he was like, look, if God exists, you know, he wants us to to be happy. And you're taking the, you know, the most base desires and telling people that they're sinful. And I, I read the whole thing and I was like, all right, this is my dude. I'm in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> dude, it, that's it. It's like he was he, from the jump. The band intrigued me because they didn't look like any other band. They didn't sound like any other band. They, to this day, nobody has been able to, maybe they don't want to, I don't know, maybe because they just own it. Nobody has a tone. It's like when you hear, and I'm not trying to draw a parallel between a band like Nickelback or Creed and Typo Negative. I'm not doing that at all. But what I'm saying is that you could hear two seconds of a Nickelback song, not even knowing too much about the band. You're like, that's Nickelback. That's a talent. Disturbed has it too. These aren't bands that I fuck with, but they're bands that I'm like, you have this corner. This little part of the universe is yours. And Typo had that in spades. Like everything down to like the bass tone, how his voice sounded, how the the drums were always these huge cannons. It was... It was really awesome, and you just knew immediately. Like, because I don't think Typo would have. I mean, again, speaking as as like you know, a, you know, a foam. Well, I'm a musician, but not a professional one. You're a professional one. Like, how how many times do you hear a record where it's just like, I love this, but I can't fuck with it because it sounds like shit, or I I hate the snare sound, or. <laughs> Yeah. I can't hear the bass or wait, this is all Metallica, by the way, different records, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but that's that typo. They, nobody has ever, or will ever sound like typo negative. Yeah. And, and no one should try. No. Every time I hear someone try, it's, it's just, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just doesn't. And I would say that it, from a, you know, as I got more into marketing and branding and, and obviously you know, that's what both of us do, you know, for a living, it, it really, they just stand out even more and more and more because it was it's such a definitive brand everything the color yeah. the imagery the like you know they really had it locked down in a way that so so few bands even even bands who have you know sonics like you want to talk about nickelback you know you're ab- absolutely right you absolutely know a nickelback song when you hear it but they have no visual brand no. i mean straight the drummer in that band could walk in this room right now and i would have no idea who he is well you'd be able you to know? tell from the bedazzled jeans i'm sure oh <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right oh my bad yeah. <laughs> but you know but i mean like they're just they were so good at every piece of their brand and mm. you know when you go back and look at what they did too you know they uh they used to call uh, I've done a, a decent amount of reading on this, but they they used to call the effect that they put on all of their instruments fur 
and oh. uh, during bloody kisses yeah during bloody kisses it was actually like a i believe it was a chorus that they put on everything and because bloody kisses was still tape uh they would edit all the song together the whole song together and then put chorus on it and adjust the amount of chorus on the pieces. So there's a story that I read in a, in it's an unauthorized uh, biography of Peter, but, uh, but some of the facts seem to be pretty correct where they were talking about the fact that they would adjust the fur according to what it was needed uh, on the, on, you know, each song and each member. So when you listen, you can hear that everything is affected, wow. you know, and that's just like, that's something I've always taken when I'm, when I'm writing stuff now, I, you know, I talk with my guys about like, okay, what can we do that's going to generate, that's going to create some type of a truly unique sound. And mm-hmm. it's just such a rare thing. Totally. So rare. Totally. And to get that kind of sound out of four guys and like, you know, that it really went against the grain of what was going on in Brooklyn and God, especially at the time. And especially if you're coming now in, you know, in hindsight, I look back and it's like, that must've been wild to be there at the time to come up with these bands like carnivore and then you know at the op you have you know gorilla biscuits and chromags and and then life of agony became a thing and then it's like typo negative it, it, and life of agony which did share you know a member at, at, at some point they stuck out like a sore thumb i mean it, this was like yeah. tough guy murder shit this is before brooklyn got gentrified it wasn't it didn't fit but it's right. so, but it's so synonymous now, at least for for people like us with Brooklyn. Yeah, it's it's so crazy too because they ran in that crowd. Right. You know, I mean, Billy Billy Grazadei from uh, you know, from Biohazard Power Flow. Uh, you know, he's he's a buddy of mine. I you know did the last Power Flow record mm-hmm. and and you know talking to him, you know, he was like, yo, Peter Steele named Biohazard. You know, Peter's the one that came up with the name for that. And they all, that was that crew, the sick of it all, the, you know, biohazard, that whole mad ball, you know, that crew just ran in that same world. I mean, and even, you know, tying propane back into it a little, they were a little bit after that, but you know, before it was super suckers and stuff like that, you know, that was all that same world. So it's, it's fascinating. I mean, there's a video on, on YouTube. I'll have to find it again and send it to you, but it's the first performance it's at from the Moore in Brooklyn, but it's the first performance where typo negative changed their name from repulsive to typo or repulsion, excuse me, to typo Mm -hmm. negative. Uh, And it was like, that weird, I don't know, like five or six months, maybe it was a little longer than that period between being carnivore and, and fully becoming typo negative. Oh, wow. And it, you know, and they're on stage in Lemoore and giant amps and the, and the brand is, is there, but not quite yet. And they're playing stuff off slow, deep and hard, which has those big melodic passages in the middle of it that carnivore didn't have. And, you know, and you're just looking at this crowd and the crowd is super hardcore and they're all, you know, yelling and it, and it feels like, you know, you're at a sick of it all show or you're at a, you know, a agnostic front show or whatever. And then they're hitting these weird clean things. And right at the end, Peter just goes, Oh yeah, we're not called repulsion anymore. We're called typo negative. <laughs> and it, you know, it's just like this, it's just this weird moment in time that I'm so like, I have to find a synergy because it's such a, 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 just a fascinating moment in time that I'm glad somebody captured. And that's amazing. And imagine a guy that looks like him, his stature, his size, his, the way that he controlled the stage and the crowd, just telling you that. And you're like, fuck, well, that's fact. Like there's no, there's, there's no being like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? You're like, he just said something. This is true. And yeah, you know, it, that's, I mean, dude, even in the later days where, where I worked with them on Life is Killing Me, it was just, he was obviously going through tough times and drinking and drugs and 
But I mean, the way he controlled the stage, even at that point, just the way in that deadpan kind of way is just, there's nobody like them ever, ever. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite show of all, of all time still is I saw them at a, they played uh, a place called the Emerson in Indianapolis, which is a, it's an all ages venue. It's probably about 350 capacity. It was the very first movie theater in uh in indianapolis and then it got just turned into the neighborhood kind of fell away and and it became this really dank shitty like giant cockroaches in the bathrooms uh, metal yeah. you know yeah all ages metal place like shitty metal place we all know and it, it was, <laughs> yep and it was completely sold out it was on a sunday and i remember him walking out on stage and just going just looked at the crowd and said I hope none of you are missing mass for this and then started playing. (laughs) And and it was just like, Oh my God, it's so great. Like that was just every, everything about it. You know, the, the comedy, the deadpan, the the sarcasm, the intelligence, and then music that's both crushingly heavy and beautiful and melodic and emotional at the same time. I mean, it, you know, it, it just doesn't get better, in my opinion. No, totally. So, so that being said, um, so how many times have you seen them live? And then are you – so with, with them, it's interesting because they're so built around being a studio band. Even though they toured a lot, like the records are so – at least to me, the sound of the record is so tied to who they are as a band. But do you prefer the live set for them or are you a studio guy? Oh, those are good questions. Uh, <laughs> so I – I didn't move to New York till 2005. And before that, I saw them every time they came through from from that Far Beyond tour, which Far Beyond was 96, right? 96, 97? 94. Oh, it was early? Oh, 94. Okay, my yeah. bad. All right. So from 94 till the point I moved, I saw them every time they came on tour, which was at least – I mean, there was a decent amount. There was at least once a year. Wow. Uh, and then and then when they when I got here, then – I, th- I did. I think I feel like I saw them a, just a little bit more, a touch more. They weren't touring for a minute, but they always did Halloween shows. Yes, in uh, in New York. So that was something that that I saw many times. I don't. I mean, I can't even. I don't even remember exactly how many times I saw it. But but then because it's New York, you know, and Duffs, which you know, you love Duffs. I love Duffs. I do love <laughs> Duffs. Spend a lot of time at Duffs. You know, that was uh, that was Peter's hangout. So, um, you know, I actually I saw him there a couple couple of times. Uh, once or twice and the other guys you know come around every once in a while you would see Kenny and and you would see Josh Josh not so much I think I saw Josh the one time and then uh, uh, Johnny came around and much more but he lives in, he moved so he's in Dallas now but yeah um, we I think I'm, I'm certain we saw Kenny one night when I was in town actually at at the bar yeah yeah probably yeah because he's in Staten Island so he's still he's still out here Josh hmm. is a, a paramedic now Josh completely changed lives so if oh, you have a heart attack in brooklyn yeah if you have a heart wow. attack in brooklyn he might save your life so so him him and david lee roth both became paramedics yeah except david lee roth didn't do it for very long he did not he, No. He, yeah he played around for a little while but josh has been a paramedic for quite a while now like wow, since that's... he since he quit the band which was mid-2000s those guys just find good yeah. jobs i mean look peter was a garbage man through most of the tenure of the band yeah yeah, he he didn't even quit until I think it was it was October Rust time. Wow, when he, when he finally had to quit. Yeah, so yeah, so I mean I've seen him a bunch of times, but as far as like the, I don't know, you know, I mean I'm I'm just such a fan of of their music that I I don't I think that they're separate experiences, you know, the album and the live show. But I I, I love the live show. I absolutely love the live show. I remember vividly seeing them 
at a at an outdoor shed in Indiana at some point. It was probably on one of the the Ozfest that they were on, mm. uh, and you know, and Love You to Death is playing, and I remember like singing that you know that end part at my girlfriend at the time and just being very aware of how many times he repeats it <laughs> and being right. like well this this lost its it's you know lost its impact a little bit when you're doing it this way but sure. you know like i i just i love that experience as much as uh as i love the record so i'm just a i don't know you know i uh, i celebrate their whole catalog uh one of the best <laughs> quotes ever uh <laughs> So, uh, so, th- so that that aside, so do you have? Uh, is there a favorite album and a favorite song? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent on both, even though they're they're on separate things. So, October Rust is is definitely the favorite album. I think it's just the most it's it's the most complete thought, uh, which I which I yeah. absolutely love. And and my favorite song is is Everything Dies, which oh, is from man. the the following record, World Coming Down. Yep. Um, but we're coming down is also extremely strong. Uh, and, and of course, you know, bloody kisses, I, you know, I'd say the only thing about bloody kisses that holds it back is that I think, and, and he said this, I mean, this is why they, they did that reissue, which was the first full record that I heard was that they hadn't kind of purified the sound and they were still, you know, going back into things like kill all the white people, you know, these hardcore songs, uh, that, that didn't really fit on the record as well. Right, right. I mean, because they were still bridging the gap, so to speak. I mean, there's, there's, look over the years, bands have done this, and they've done it in such a way that it, 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 it's, um, it alienates the fan base. Like, look, one of my favorite bands. I mean, I have a, I have a tattoo on my arm is Caven, and Caven, mm-hmm. there's no bridge. They literally went from being one of the bands that invented metalcore to being a band that basically perfected what failure had started. And Ooh. and they did that in a matter of like 16 months. So can you imagine going to the store back then in you know 2000, buying a CD and coming home being like, is this the wrong disc? Yeah, like <laughs> totally. And they got better, right? But like, just like Typo did, but like, it's a totally different band. I almost appreciate that Typo did that. And there, I think because they, they always put an element of humor in what they did, that there were, there were still kind of brief moments of that on like life is killing me and, and dead again and, and things like that. But yeah, I, I hear you. I think it's actually like one of the questions I like to ask too. So I might as well just segue into it that if like for me, I understand that October Rust is their best record. Like it, it just is. But my favorite record is world coming down. So mm-hmm. it's like you, you know, you'd like, Oh yeah, this one is definitely better, but that one just hit this way that I feel like for me, like pirate ablaze is just that song. It's such a yeah. gem in the catalog that I think maybe the casual fans not as well versed in. And I'm not trying to be cool. It's just the song that really connected with me. Yeah. No, I mean, that record is fantastic. I think the only thing for me that that puts it a little bit behind is the kind of the skits that were yeah. happening during everything that, or excuse me during world coming down. I feel like you know they're they're incredibly impactful for what they are when you're listening to that album and you know and some of those those moments where the person is just breaking down in hysterics when somebody's clearly flatlining mm-hmm. you know in the room that they're in and and you know and it's telling a very clear story about his struggle with drugs and 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 you know it killing him or you know really ruining his life and and I think that's that's really awesome but I also I find that that element means that I I have to be a little bit in a certain headspace 
to oh. listen to that full record. Oh, totally. And, and it's funny that I've always drawn. I'm, I'm so glad you said that and you brought that up because I've always drawn this weird parallel between World Coming Down and Life of Agony's River Runs Red. Because I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So fucking predictable. Um, because th- that, like, to me, that's the record, right? Like, River Runs Red is the yeah. record, but it's not my totally. favorite record because I think, again, just like Typo, they were not a fully formed band. And the skits, the skits take me out of it when I just want to hear, yeah. like, you realize that they could have maybe filled in the gaps a little bit. And that's why I always go to Ugly before I go to River Runs Red. Totally. Totally. And I'm, I'm right there. Not, no surprise. I'm right there with you. No surprise uh, to, at all. It, yeah. Super divergent there. But I mean, mm-hmm. my, you know, I, Joey's great. I know Joey. You know, I haven't seen him in a minute, but used to see him out quite a bit. And I think that he, I wish he and, and the whole band all the success in the world and i still go see them but i feel like they they lost their way a little because if if ugly had the production of river runs red that album would be unfuckwithable totally i mean they look the 90s were such a hard time for bands like this and the fact that typo was able to create they basically did it all in the 90s like you know dead again obviously came in like i think what 2003 four but that was you know they'd been gone from roadrunner it's a good record but it's not up to par with what they had accomplished between 92 and 99 and mm-hmm. you could say that for life of agony too they had those three records that are fucking great and but they they lost they, they you know they fell on hard times with drugs too with their front man and now yeah. front, now front woman now front woman. Yeah. You know, I mean, and also dealing with, uh, um, you know, dealing with your Sal, <laughs> you know, I have both heard of the bands dealing with Sal. I have heard, so, <laughs> I have, yeah, I, I've know, heard and read and, uh, I really want to like a pale horse named death. And then I see some of the things that he says and supports and it's like, Oh, yeah, I can't, can't do, do this. Can't do it. Can't yeah. do it. And, and I also can't do it because, you know, I mean, Look, I, I don't I don't know him personally, and I and it and it is a little bit high horsey to to you know sit here and talk about uh, you know artistic merit or not. But when I listen to that stuff, I hear someone who loves Alice in Chains mm-hmm. and really really wants you to know that they used to be in Typo Negative. But when you wow, look at the yeah. you know and but when you look at the story of how Typo's music was written, and when you look at the credits, you know he wasn't writing that stuff, and and so it's tough for how typo negative it is, it's just tough for me to go, okay, I, you know, this isn't, this isn't jumping on the bandwagon, you know, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. it's, just, it's just tough to, it's, it's tough for me on, on that one. And I, and, and I think I, I have less pity for it because of those things he says, cause I'm just not going to support a human like that in general. So, totally. It's a, it's like, whatever. I no. I was in a, in a job and, you know, a, a few years ago and, and God, now it's like 10 years ago and worked the seventh void record and yeah, record's great, but you're, you're right. And that comes without all the problematic stuff on top. But I mean, I think when you listen to that record, it's what you just said. It's like, I hear everything you're trying to do and it's really good, but I can't, typo negative was so polarizing i cannot separate myself and what you're doing from what this is and like it, it sucks because that record's really fucking good but it's just you know the same thing with joey i can't you know stereo mud was a cool band among thieves which is v- way lesser known that alan robert did was a really cool band but and keith and now minna's solo stuff very fucking cool but it doesn't sound right unless it's all together yeah 
it is and it and it's that it's that really terrible thing about being an artist where you sometimes you have to accept that the the you know the coming together of certain artists is what makes things magical and special yeah. and you know and they can't do it independently and and who knows if peter could have done it without josh but i can definitely say that the two of them working together uh you know had such a clear vision and had such you know it it it's not just about like the idea for what the sound should be, but the restraint for where it shouldn't be. Of course. You know, and I, and I, and it's, you know, he, he loved to make fun of himself and he loved to be self-deprecating and, and, you know, that was important, but I think, you know, that you can tell the amount of care and time and energy and very clear purpose that, that he saw. There's just no way you can make that much great music and, and, uh, and, you know, without having just that, not only that vision, but that talent. I mean, there's, there's just so few people that, that have it. And you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy that, uh, that he made so many great records and also sad that, uh, that I can't see him perform them anymore. But. Totally. No, I, I, I know. And it's, it's, um, it is sad. And, and I think, you know, to, to, to go back to the restraint bit, you hit on something where, you know, they do the, the, the Beatles medley, um, world coming yeah. down. And at the time, I mean, look, I was, you know, a hardcore drummer, front man, terrible front man, but I, it's what I did. And it wasn't until I started dating my wife that I really started to appreciate the Beatles beyond just funny enough she's so heavy because i'm like oh shit the beatles invented doom amazing and it was <laughs> which i'll stand by that but it, it it wasn't until i'd already been a fan of typo before i was a fan of the beatles and it wasn't until i really started hearing and respecting what Ringo wasn't doing that it made me mm. almost and especially typo covering the beatles where it's like wait a minute I'm probably just doing this in my head, but I feel that there's restraint there from Peter and the and, and, and the whole band, really, due to their love of, like, the Beatles always just did what was right for the song, and I feel that typo in a metal world where everybody's trying to cram as many notes, as many lyrics, as many mm-hmm. hidden messages, whatever, he was so direct in his lyrics, if you're, if, if, you, if you're in on the joke, which a lot of us were and a lot of us weren't, and the music left... It just left the open space just enough for you to like almost like, you know, get yourself with, but not like it just kept yeah. you coming back. Like how many bands do you know? Like we both kind of dabble in Prague, I think, not to speak for you, but we're not like Prague <laughs> fans. And yeah. at least I, I, I just I can't. I just fucking can't. And yeah, I, I'm with you. And, I, you know, there's like a good song here or there. Or you respect the elders or whatever. But typo to keep your attention for 12, 13 minutes on a song sometimes, especially when you're not playing a million notes. That's really difficult. And they so difficult. They do it like one of my favorite typo songs um, is. 12 Black Rainbows, which is a B-side. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. song's like nine minutes long, and it, it's just, it's so good. And it's basically just two riffs. And, <laughs> you know, and also Sidebar is the best, singularly best named, best comp- like best of compilation of all time. Oh, 
of all time. It doesn't like, get better than that. The yeah. only, least so worst of doesn't le- get better. Least worst of, and the only one that's funny to wrap up this little prog bow that I think rivals it is Dream Theater, which is the reason why it's so good is not because it's Dream Theater, is because it's called Greatest Hit and then in parenthetical and 21 other songs. So it's like, <laughs> that's great. It's just, pu- it's pull me under. And then like, they know. So it's like a band that's never yeah. tongue in cheek. They get it. And then typo is just all tongue in cheek. And they obviously fucking get it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's funny. But yeah, I mean, you know what you were saying about the restraint, it's so important. And it's something that, you know, I mean, I, I, in, during the days of, uh, of Ikelia, you know, I, the, first bass player who played um with me from 2005 to 2014 mansa we were we we got booked on a show to do uh it was a benefit for a bar in trenton new jersey called champs that we used to play all the time and they were trying to keep their doors open and they said you know they wanted us to play and we said yeah we're definitely going to come play and then they said oh but we have a requirement you have to play an 80s song of some type huh. you know you have to do a cover of some 80s song and i've, I've always been so anti-covers because the way typo did covers is how I want to do covers. I want to do songs that are completely reworked, you know? Yeah, of and course. So we were, we were said, all right, let's do something. And we decided to do dirty Diana by Michael Jackson. Oh shit. And so we started working it and practicing and we were working on the second verse. And I was like, oh, I just feel so hollow here. We need to metal it up. And the bass player looked at me, Mansa looked at me and he said, it's hollow because Diana's hollow. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa. and i that was one of those moments where i was like oh wow and then you step back and look at the way typo reinterpreted some of these songs and you go wow like they're still you know there's their their version of paranoid is still one of my favorite you know he wrote an entire chorus like you know who has the ball sack to do that but when you when you listen to it you're like yes this it's it's still what it should be it's amazing I mean, dude, that, that it's that's actually something that I, I should have written down. So f- shame on me for this. But that's they have a way of covering stuff that, like, even like you know, Hedwig and the Angry Inch or Summer Breeze, yeah. which is like they, they've done it. Tr- they've done it true, but they've obviously like slowed it down, doomed it up. But you, but you to your point about the, the massive nuts on these dudes for doing this, their cover of Hey Joe, where it's Hey Pete, like yeah. they literally changed the Jimi Hendrix song because they just did. And that yeah. you, you don't do that. And they were like, yeah. well, no, no, we, we do. And we're going to crush it. And that's. Yeah, I guess it's again to to my to point for, to, to my point from before um, is that it, but, but but it's like they, they just they just they know if, if you're you know if you're in on the humor you're in on the joke then it, it's it's everything you could want and if you're not it's like what what is this I'm intrigued and that's a really rare balance to kind of ride. Yeah, it is, and I don't honestly I don't think. There are one or two songs that I'm like, okay, I'm not a big fan of these songs, but there are no songs in their catalog that I'm definitively like, I hate this song, you know, including all the weird stuff like Pictures of Matchstick Men that they did with Ozzy, which is, I don't know what that was, but like, you know, those, those things that they've done, you know, it's still, it's just all, there's all the quality there. It's all still good, you know. I mean, and even, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I mean, to go into 
talking about nuts, not not only just <laughs> their, you know, the the covers, but I mean their own stuff. I mean, opening slow, deep, and hard. They're like, hey, we were carnivore, then we were repulsion. Now we're called typo negative. This is slow, deep, and hard. Here's a 12 minute long song, and in the middle of it is a four minute long song with a giant clean chorus. Right. I mean, and at the time, like, oh man, that's unheard oh. of. Yeah, it's like they it's like they suckered everybody. They were like, yeah, we're hardcore, and then in the middle, nope. Wait, you, you you know so again I guess we'll, we'll why don't we move from the front of the, the anatomy to the back of the anatomy so um it's so now I'm just putting this together now man wow 26 years later and I'm still talking about buttholes so yeah. it, it's amazing that the first I guess to me this makes sense is that the the first time I saw either of the bands when I saw typo open for Pantera they were both playing stuff one was touring on records where the covers were buttholes yeah, we're buttholes. <laughs> like, you know, the, the, that initial cover of Far Beyond Driven is, it, it's like, it's just unnecessary. It's horrible. It's yeah, so it's bad. bad. <laughs> it's so bad. So at least you for know. a typo, it like was on brand. Where for Pantera, it's like, okay, like, you guys, this is a number, you, you're the one of the big, you're carrying the metal torch through the 90s. That record topped the fucking Billboard charts. First metal record to ever do it. And it's got a screw in a butthole as the cover. Uh, you know, that was like, I still don't, you know, even having worked with Vinny and, and having known some of those guys, I don't understand how that happened. To me either. Like, it, do, it just doesn't track with what I know about them. And, and I, 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 yeah, I don't, I just don't understand that one. No, I mean, for, I don't know. for typo, it makes perfect sense. It's like Origin of the Feces, yeah. Butthole. Yeah, yeah, spot on. Yeah. A- adds up. <laughs> it just adds up. So I mean, what else would it be? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I mean, with them, it could be anything. But that was just like, nope, this is, we're going to be very on the nose with this. Um, yeah. So, and I mean, and that yeah. album, like, how do we oh, not yeah. love a fake live album? Right. <laughs> I mean, there's been a. I think that was like a thing at the time. Like, uh, p- bands were doing very strange things at the time. Like, Primus, their first full length was a live record. Um, you know, the Melvins recorded a record that was live, but there was no audience. Like, there's just been. I, I mean, look, yeah. it, it was just back then. I think you just went for it and didn't really give a fuck. Where you know, for a while there, it got it got it got pretty dicey with. I mean, even now, like typo negative living on a streaming service is almost laughable because you're only getting paid if you cross the twenty or thirty second mark, and it's like, yeah, you know, when you have a record that has six songs on it, you're really not raking in the dough there. You know what? I've never looked up, and I I, I need to go do this because I don't. I mean, I own all the records, obviously, so I yeah, don't think too. I've. I can't remember the last time I I went to stream typo negative on on Spotify or something, but I got to see if uh, the misinterpretation of silence and its disastrous consequences is, Ooh. is on the streaming service. Cause like, yeah. did they, did they put up five minutes of silence? They might've had to, if that was in like the metadata or, or you know, or whatever. I, I, I have no idea. I haven't, it's been a minute since I've listened to typo. I don't think I've uh, ever I mean, listened to them on Spotify or Apple music. I just pulled it up. It is there. It Amazing. is only a minute and four, but it is there. Hey, it's good enough to get that's the stream, amazing. right? Yeah, that's uh, I can't I can't believe they got it through because I mean there's like rules about all right whatever there is no 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 that, well now and now great now you added us now everyone knows that we're dorks and we know all this shit. <laughs> that's what we do for a living, yeah, so man. Of course for, we know right. this shit. Of course. So um, you actually touched on something before. Um, so you say that they don't have like they don't have bad songs. They don't. But if you were to yeah. have a song, like forget about 
the skits, the, you know, the, the, the white noise, the silence. If you were to have a song that just isn't the one that you go to, it's the bottom of the barrel for you. What is it? The two, I would say there's actually two of them. The Der, Dare Under Mensch uh, mm-hmm. and Kill All the White People. Yeah, yeah, and that's, those are, you know, that's mine too. Yeah, yeah, and, and, it's, and it's really, uh, those are just such holdovers from Carnivore. Uh, and, and even, you know, Peter talks about the fact that, you know, songs like Jesus Hitler and stuff like that that he was doing in, in Carnivore were a product of him being, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old and, uh, and not, you know, not using his best judgment. Sure. Uh, and, and when you hear, you know, kill all the white people and, and they're under mensch, you know, what I hear is, is a young guy who, uh, is raised in New York city and is struggling with his own financial stability. And, uh, you know, rather than truly understanding, uh, you know, what it means to be a different social class or even a different race in this country, mm-hmm. uh, you know, falling into that, that easy to do, you know, pitfall of, oh, well, you know, you're just living off society and, and you're not taking advantage of what's being offered to you. And, uh, and, and I don't feel, I don't find the songs to be racist, but I find them to be young and dumb, Sure, you know? And yeah. so they're just not, they're not things I, I enjoy listening to. No, and, and and I think that's a that's a, a super great point because you look at that and the breadth of their career, and then you look at something like the like the title track from Life Is Killing Me, where he's just like, it's hard to listen to, especially now, but also kind of especially then. Like I worked that cycle, I I was basically with those guys for the better part of a week. I mean, we did a show at CB's, they did an in store signing at Vintage Vinyl in New Jersey. It was just hard. Like he was, that was the the tour they were wearing scrubs for every show. Yeah. And Pete, yeah. Would, Pete would have a backup set. And even while he was just, they didn't play a vintage vinyl. He was just signing. He had to go change into a backup set of scrubs, like his show scrubs, because he was drinking so much red wine and doing so much blow that he was sweating through his outfits just yeah. just sitting there. So it's like to go from being a stupid kid that maybe wrote something a little you know immature at the time or a little kind of not PC to where he was and what he'd built at the time. It just, you see the maturity, but you also see the pain and the struggle and what he ultimately went through till the very end. Yeah. Yeah. It was a tough time. I remember seeing him on stage and and when he was gaining all the weight at Mm -hmm. the end and it it just was, yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, really towards the end too. I mean, he, he got himself clean, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and they put out dead again, you know, whatever that was Oh seven, you know, when they, when they were putting that out, you know, they, he, he got himself clean, but then he was, he was writing stuff from a little bit of a perspective. I don't know if you remember this, you know, initially he had been very anti-church and then all of a sudden getting clean, he needed, you know, like I think many addicts do something else to, to kind of put their trust and faith or whatever else in. And, you know, he wrote songs uh, about, you know, that are basically pro-life, you know, and, and it's a that's it's definitely a tough thing to listen to because you, you understand that it's it's just a lost and confused person. Yeah. More than anything. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's, I learned, I mean, I actually did not know that because that record's not one that I go to very, very often. And, um, and, uh, you doing okay there? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but, but I'll as he's dying, um, but, but it's like, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard to kind of see the breakdown of a human, especially in, in, in a public eye, but also at that level where I, I was so frightened to meet him 
and he shows up at Vintage Vinyl, and I know that I have like a full week ahead of me with him. And if I fuck it up, I was like 20, 22, 23. I knew if I fucked <laughs> if I if I fucked it up, I I would be just doomed. And um, the band was super nice. Everybody's super nice. And Pete walks in, and before anything can start, like he, they got there super early, really professional. He was like, you know, he's like who is Rob? And I'm like, Oh, that's me. And he goes, I do not want to listen to typo negative today. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Most bands don't at their own in stores. It's weird. And he, we gave him like a credit to buy whatever he wanted at the store and I'd expense it or, or, or bill it back to our good buddy, Mark Shapiro. Um, and, uh, and, uh, which I believe I did. Hey Mark. hey, Mark and Austin, both of them. Thanks guys. Uh, and, and, uh, he, he bought like a bunch of CDs and records, but he put on, um, was it it was revolver and revolver just played like 50 times because it's a short record and they were there for like six hours and it was just on repeat and i'm like this is insane this is amazing but it's insane and we just got like as close as you get i think to an artist in that weird state like he loved the display that i made which was just their one by twos like he's like who made this and i'm like oh fuck i'm getting fired and he called me up on stage and it's like i did and he's like, I want to take a picture with you in front of it. And he, somebody else took like my old big ass Mavica camera, which had like a floppy disk inside and, or like the hard, the hard, the small hard floppies, you know? And yeah, yeah. we're going to take a photo and he shoves his fucking hands in my mouth to make me smile more like, um, like in the re-education center from the Simpsons or like okay. Clockwork Orange or whatever. And I, I it was the wild, it like, it was honestly to the, one of the most fulfilling weeks of my career especially at that point like i'd met you know i'd met artists and whatever but that was just a whole other fucking level but i'll never forget that wow. like what a genuine dude even at that like he was yeah. clearly hurting but he still wanted to he had that humility and was just a good guy yeah that's awesome that's awesome i'm not surprised he liked your display man i mean he was he always described himself as being ocd and and if it was neat and laid out which i'm sure it was very much so i'm sure he loved it dude okay that answers that question because for the past 17 years i've been wondering why did he like this it literally was just his <laughs> art and then every other one i flipped the art i didn't make any weird like windmill displays or like that's not my thing it would mine was like make it crisp so everyone can see it when they walk in the store the OCD oh, thing completely yeah, makes it. sense. I'll, I have to find this photo and I will share it with you because I yeah, um, you got to do that. I, I look so, I'm so fucking young and stupid and happy and it's just yeah it's it's it is a pure Rob Gross moment. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I only yeah, I only yeah. met him twice. I met him uh, I met him a couple times standing outside of like in in Indiana. The, the the buses would park behind the venues and if you just went and stood out there for like five hours eventually they would come out and you would actually get to meet them right uh you know who whatever the band was uh and once or twice i met him there he wasn't very friendly hit on my first wife uh one of the times oh, which was Pete. that was great yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then the next time i met him when i when i got here uh to new york he was at duff's and it was during that period he was wearing like a sweat suit and he was all sweaty and he was like it was a mess and i went up to him and and i said something to the effect of like you know it's nice to meet you you know favorite band or whatever and he said something to the effect of fuck you 
And I was like, all right, well, that's what I was looking for. Oh, my God. It, that, that's very similar to the to the whole Lemmy situation. You, you would get out here at the Rainbow where, if you know, people would come up to him and they're like, hey, you know, you're my, my love Motorhead. I love Eat the Rich. I love Aces. And he's like, you know, piss off. Like, he just did not. And, and it's like, but that, and then, like, you turn around and look at your friend. You're like, that was amazing. I got what I wanted. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I was looking for. No, that's perfect. And that was my next question: is is the, the how, how you met him? And so with with the other guys, obviously, you know, you've you were you were kind of touching on that before. Like you've met them as well, and you know, with Josh and Kenny and. Yeah, I saw. I mean, I I think it was one time I was at one of the probably the Dead Again album release party, which was at Duff's. Of course, and I believe Josh was there, so I I got to say hi to him. Uh, Kenny, you know, seen much more often. I mean, I kill you actually played, um, his new band silver tomb. Yep. We, um, we opened for them on their first show ever. Oh, wow. Uh, which actually funny enough ha- happened to be, I kill you's last show ever. So <laughs> <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was that, but, um, you know, and we'll see him around a little more often. So he's, he's kind of in and out quite a bit. Johnny, I actually, I've probably seen him the most, but had the least like hang time with him. You know, like he, he hung out at the bar the most, but he's, he's to himself quite a bit. And, uh, and then I actually spent the most time talking to him at, uh, funny enough at, at Vinnie Paul's funeral, um, because we were, we were both there and ended up at Dime's house after the, uh, after the funeral. And he and I had some conversation and I, I, I happened to be wearing my typo negative hat also, which was a little bit awkward, but, uh. <laughs> You know, it's like, what? I, I, I don't like this band. No, no, no. I just, no, no. I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. It was actually the other way around. I, I turned around. I had, I was wearing it backwards. So the big O negative was yep. facing him. And, uh, and I turned around and I was like, oh, I was like, hey, what's up, man? I was like, Tabernacle is my favorite band. And he goes, mine too oh man i mean but like dude that that's that touches on something that i i actually think about a lot i read an interview with all of all people this has got to be back during like the follow the leader era of corn and i read an interview with jonathan davis and he was like you know i'm in my favorite band and i remember at the time being like this asshole you're in a terrible band what are you talking about and then (laughs) but as i've grown up and matured it's like why wouldn't you be in your favorite band? I'm not saying that like you sh- you should yeah. that that should be what you attain to. It's like I, I want to be in my favorite band. That I'm absolutely you know like I'm sure that's what you're trying to do in Nefarian and what you try yeah. to do with Achillea. And why wouldn't you try to pull all your influences that you love so much and make your favorite band? Like how fucking rad is that? Yeah, totally. And and I think for Johnny it even goes a step further because he was the drum tech. Right. When, that's when Sal right. was in the band, you know, and so he got he got in the band, and that's that's one of my favorite things when you watch the Christian Woman video, the one that Roadrunner made, not the one that the band made. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the band, he's in the video, but he's got short hair. He looks like he straight up looks like a beetle. He's wearing he has like beetle mop top hair, and he has little round glasses on because they he had just joined the band and he hadn't grown his hair out yet. Oh my and god, like, I haven't yeah, seen that video in like twenty something years. I need to go back to it. It's so silly looking because he just looks completely out of place. And, you know, he but Peter had a deal. You know, you had to have black hair and you had to have long. You had to have long, straight black hair and uh, you had to play green equipment. And, you know, there was very specific rules to being in typo negative. Yeah, I mean, but it's so oddly specific that it works. So Uh, yeah, it it, works. Amazing. It did. So if you were to, so all this, like knowing the full breadth of the catalog, and I think I know what you're going to say, but if you were to 
get somebody like if we were sitting at Duff's like we do and you're trying yeah. to turn somebody on to the band what song would you play first mm, you know I think I would need to hopefully know a little bit about the person okay first because uh it would it would definitely depend on what I knew about them and kind of the kind of music they like because as we've talked about you know typo has their hardcore side yep. and even you know as they went later they went back and and even though it's a different it's a it's a much more refined version of hardcore and it's a much more typo negative version of hardcore than say you know what's on slow deep and hard yep uh you know i think that uh there there are heavier songs and then there are also lighter songs and then there are songs right down the middle you know so for me things like you know things like wolf moon and and everything dies again obviously uh are songs that are really like easy to grasp aside from the length of wolf moon obviously but right. you know easy to grasp if you're somebody that's looking for for something both heavy and melodic but if it's somebody that wants something a little bit lighter you know i you know I'm, i may go to something like you know burnt flowers fallen or in praise of bacchus mm -hmm. or uh you know as you said uh you know pirate ablaze and uh yeah. uh god what's the other one uh on that record. Oh, I got, I'm drawing a blank. All Hallows Eve. All Hallows. That's exactly it. Yeah. And then later tracks like, like Nettie, you know, songs like Nettie. So like, there's, there's just stuff there. I mean, uh, Todd ship goods. I mean, there's, there's so, I don't know. Now I'm just naming songs. I love No, but that song. That song is amazing. And like, um, fuck that's a, that first half of, of, Life is Killing Me is just so fucking good. Um, the yeah. whole record's good, but that first half is so strong. Um, or the second half? The whole fucking record's great. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I thought you were going to say Love You to Death. You know, I, I really, really love that song. And I think that it's, I, I guess probably the reason I wouldn't go there is because I feel like Black Number One, Christian Woman, Love You to Death, Cinnamon Girl, the, anybody who's, you know, in Duff's is probably going to have heard one of those songs. True. Very at true. Some point. And, and so I wouldn't want them, if I'm trying to like say, Hey, this band is important. You need to pay attention to them. I wouldn't want them to hear black number one and think, Oh boy, you know, or love you to death. And like, Oh yeah, I know this song, you sure. know that, but, but yes, love you to death is fantastic. It is definitely one of my favorites. It's also, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it, it is something that I've heard so many times. Uh, it, 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 it ranks in my, you know, top 10 from sure. them, but I, it's definitely not in the top half of the top 10. No, I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, for sure. That's an, in, well, that's interesting. Yeah. We, we, you basically, so what I'm going to do after this is I make a playlist of all the, of all the songs we talk about. So they'll have to be, right. in, I, I, I'm now I'm debating like, fuck, I brought up Nickelback. Do I have to do this? Um, but <laughs> it's going to stick out like a fucking sore thumb. But that being said, it's like you basically just help make a really good fucking playlist by just naming all those songs. Awesome. Good. <laughs> well, I can, I can help you on, uh, on Nickelback. Um, <laughs> Nickelback or Chad Kroger sang on a song with Steel Panther called "It Won't Suck Itself." There so it is. You, you could save it. You, you saved that it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Good. Well, I was gonna say because um, the company I work for actually put out the last Nickelback record before I started here, and mm -hmm. it, it it did not do well because they actually made. I mean, again, we're not talking Sepultura Slayer. They made a metal record for what they are, and the fans, yeah. their their you know their core is like, no, we listen to this because this sounds like Jason Aldean, but it's rock. So right. it, so it, it definitely did not work for them. But Nickelback Live 
It's a re- they have a, it's pyro and yeah, it, it looks it, like a Metallica concert. Yeah, and I'm not by any means a fan, but I I appreciate that they go they go hard live. Just the studio stuff, just wow. It's again, it's very like it could. It's like train. It's like wh- this is why 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 are we doing this? I think that. Honestly, I think that might even I will take Nickelback all day over motherfucking drops of Jupiter. Oh, dude, tra- all day. I uh so to torture me, my wife will will play drops of Jupiter on on the AirPod on the HomePod and then she'll she'll she learned all the words and like screams them at me and it's really a bad bad song. Oh, it's so bad. It's so you know, and you know it's like when I was at when I was at uh, another label uh, a, a major label. The head of A and R is the guy who wrote the music for that song. Oh God! And he would every time it got brought up, he would always say, "I didn't write the lyrics." <laughs> he would always say, "He'd be like, I wrote the music, didn't write the lyrics." Dude, that's important. <laughs> like you, you don't like the the music could have been you could have done. It's an it's not a good song. I mean, look, it's it's a pop middle of the road Hootie, Hootie and the Blowfish kind of song. Fine, fair. Right. But they could have definitely done something better with it. I mean, some anything. Like, oh man! I mean, the the one the 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 lines that to me are just the best. I know what you're are... gonna say. I know it. <laughs> Fucking know it. <laughs> I know. You don't. You know what I'm gonna say. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I'm not gonna do it. Oh there. yeah. Gonna, we'll it's like, to play it. Are you reading a takeout menu? What the fuck is going yeah. on? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. All right. So so so, um, so it's really one of the questions I actually forgot to ask Enrique this, and then uh, Enrique's this, and, and the really the reason why I'm not so mad about it in hindsight is because it doesn't really work for the the conversation we had. But with typo, it's like the door is wide open. So when you have a band, I, I'm always interested because I always end up leaning towards this. I don't know what that says about me, but I love like the slinkier, sexier side of a band. So like if I'm talking about Soundgarden, I want to hear Mailman. If I'm talking about, you know, um, I, well, I guess that's the sexiest song I, I know. Or, you know, but you, like, I, 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 like it's that, like what could be the strip club anthem for Typo Negative? Oof. Uh, God. I mean, I'm, I, I think that sonically you have to say Cinnamon Girl, even though I'm, just not a big fan of the song at all but yeah, yeah, the same. way that they did it the the drum beat is so bouncy like i feel like that you know that ends up working yep um god but what that's not what i would want <laughs> i mean you, you know what i mean like uh oh god what would be a, a good one for that i mean i don't know i think she burned me down would Ooh, be amazing for that or yeah. you know like uh yeah, that I don't know, that's the first one that comes to mind there. I mean, of course, I'm also going to say I'm always going to say the uh um the glass walls of limbo the dance mix. Oh, sure. That oh, would the, definitely be the Right, right. I forgot that bands at this time <laughs> made 12-inch mixes for no fucking reason at all. Right. Oh. Well, I mean, and if you remember that one is not actually a dance mix, it's still just the glass walls of limbo. Oh, right, right. that's right. <laughs> shit, shit, my bad. Oh, I, I, yeah. I might be I might be hallucinating here, but didn't they also do like a Santana medley on like a home video? Uh, yeah, no, the Santana medley is on. Uh, what album is that on? Because I don't like it. Uh, oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and look it up. I swear um, it was on like the home video for the the October Rust tour, but I could be wrong. Maybe. Oh no no no! You're right. You're right. It's on. Uh, it, I think that's on. It's either on. Well, the two videos are After Dark mm-hmm. and 
I don't remember what the name of the second one is, uh, but yeah, you're right. It is. It's on that. It's a Santana med- medley, and it's on it's on one of the like home video. Things. Yeah, because for for any, totally what it is. for anyone listening that isn't a fossil like us, it's um, the, like home videos <laughs> were fucking life. Like that was uh. like. Because you you were already going to spend at say anywhere between twelve and eighteen dollars on a CD or you know or between ten and twelve for a tape or whatever and then you had to spend you know twenty to twenty seven dollars for a VHS and it was like okay this is full investment this is two weeks of babysitting or mowing the lawn or whatever the fuck I do <laughs> and you know and, and like that was that was like you, you you made an investment so you like i watched those pantera home videos and the type oh. of like like they like literally i wore i wore them out i wore the first two pantera yeah. videos out for sure oh, 100% 100 all three of them yeah all three i, of them. I wore the hell out of them yeah and somewhere there's footage that from me way back when in one of those meet and greets where there's where they had video running and maybe i'll end up in part 4 if they ever make it but oh shit but the typo ones i i think the typo ones are even I think they're even better because if you have, I bought at some point I had the VHS and then I bought the DVDs. And if you buy the DVDs of, uh, of both of them, they have a bonus track that's commentary where the band watches it and makes fun of themselves. Oh no shit. Yeah. But the whole thing is typo negative making fun of themselves because that's what they do. So it's, you know, some music videos and interspliced footage of them, you know, going wherever and playing live and then doing dumb shit and making fun of themselves. And then there's an audio commentary of them making fun of themselves, making fun of themselves. That's got to be on YouTube. I got to find that. That's fucking awesome. (laughs) My God. Yeah. Um, It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Or, or I can lend you lend you my DVD. Oh, you can let, or you can lend me your DVD. Yeah, that would be much nicer. Yeah. Um, so, um, it, I want to kind of wrap this up with this this last question, and I it's I'm so curious about if we didn't talk about this because I think propane would have been a little that's really niche, and I'm cool with that. But I think the typos are much broader. I mean, it is. They were the first Roadrunner band to go gold, and they basically yeah. set that label on its way or in a different way and on their path. So see, it does tie into Nickelback. It really does. Yeah, and it totally does. It was typo to Roots to Nickelback. Uh, yep. But to for, Slipknot. To Slipknot, right? <laughs> that, and then to you know back to Nickelback. Um, so if we didn't talk about typo, what would you what would you want to talk about? I mean, yeah. I mean, you said propane, and that was the first one that I that yeah. I had thought of that we would say. Outside of that. Uh, Wow, that's good. I mean, it, I would go pretty deep. I mean, it would be something like, uh, like Paradise Lost. Oh or, man, uh, yeah, you know, or um, God, who else? I mean, I, you know, Testament would be mm-hmm. another one for me. I mean, Testament's you know my favorite thrash band of all time. Amazing, uh, you man. know, Pantera is a you know kind of a no brainer there. Oh, yeah. I've got the one I'm forgetting that it would totally be is the Haunted. Oh, and interesting. Be... See, I'm not as well versed in the Haunted, so that would have been really, huh. We'll go. We'll we'll, we'll, yeah. cir- we'll circle back to that one because that's what I'm trying to do. Is like I really enjoy. Yeah, of course, dude. Dorking out on this stuff is like this is what I live for. But also at the same time, it's like I, I want to learn about bands doing this from the people that I trust. It's like I, my buddy, my buddy Jesse was on in episode three, and we talked about Bruce Springsteen, and I am not a Bruce Springsteen fan. But getting to hear it from a guy who grew up in New Jersey and it's in his blood and has gotten to work with Bruce and like. 
I, you know, I, I, I went back and listened to some songs and some records and, I, and I'm listening it from, from, you know, from a different way, like from a different perspective. Like, oh, I took this isn't just about him drive. Every song to me with Bruce is about driving in a car. And and it, it, it still is. But at least through Jesse's eyes, I was able to see I, I was able to see it from his perspective. And I think that I would love to hear that from a band like The Haunted that has been on the fringes of kind of my my collection throughout the years, like own some records, yeah. know they're fucking legit, just never gave them enough kind of attention. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think that's, that's probably the global, the global reaction to the haunted. And I think that's a, it's, I think it's very unfortunate because I've, I've said it many times. I, you know, every single day when I walked on stage with I Kill you or walked into a recording booth or whatever, I was just trying to be Peter Dolving. So mm. I wanted to do every day, wake up and be Peter Dolving singer of the haunted. So well, man, you you certainly have made your fucking mark doing that too. And I and when it comes to propane, I will never forget uh, walking to somewhere. Probably Duff's. I, actually, I think we were walking yeah. to. Funny enough, we were walking to a Billy Rafool show in New York, and yeah. <laughs> we stopped. We stopped at this little at this little. Um, it was a beer bar, so I didn't drink, <laughs> and and uh, but but we were sitting there, and you put on. Um, you gave the guy. Uh, whoever the bartender was, you knew him. And I think Chris Enriquez was there as well. And you gave him, uh, it was, I think, straight to the dome. And you told him to put on um, Sucks to Be You in this, like, upscale beer bar. And you're like, this is the shit. And I'm like, looks at me and I'm like, no, confirm. This is definitely the shit. And <laughs> it was just like, what, what, what a beautiful two and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right and everyone else is like what is happening right now? like I, can i have my check please the fuck is this um yeah jason oh, dude okay. this was so fucking good to talk to you i miss you and it was just great to kind of be able to to run through this together and talk about typo negative because i know how much it means to you and and i love the band as well and this was just awesome man thank you thank you man i'm, I'm really honored I've, i'm so excited to be on it and it is great to catch up with you and i miss you as well and Hopefully we'll, uh, I mean, this is basically just us hanging out. So hopefully we'll get to do this <laughs> yeah. in person in the very near future. <laughs> totally. We'll do a live from Duff's taping. Um, if, uh, yeah. Once touring is back and once we're doing things again, and, and even in the meantime, please check out Jason's old band, I Kill you. It's fucking amazing. His new band, Nefariant, is on some other shit altogether. If you like Typo, um, there's definitely that influence there and please check them out. I'll put all the links into the post, um, which will be, uh, you know, everywhere that you can listen to this, but Jason, thanks again, dude. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks man. See you later. Yeah, dude. Bye.